over all of that. But we've been looking how God has given us defensive armor. And uh, we know this, it's all for the front, not for the back. It's not meant for cowards to run away. It's meant to stand and go forward. And, uh, and one of the pieces that we have, we looked at a couple weeks ago, is, of course, the sword. We have one, we have one offensive weapon, uh, which is the sword of the Spirit, and the word, which, you know, which is the Word of God, the Bible says. And so the Word of God is our weapon. It's our sword. And uh, we, we saw how after the sword is prayer and supplication, which the sword, we, the, we are connected to our weapon by the Holy Spirit of God. As, as a golfer has a, you, you see these guys in professional golf, right? They, they have a coach, tells them how to swing and how to put their feet. I mean, the professional, even the, the top, top, top professionals, they still have coaches that tell them what to do and show them and they're watching. And I love it because in, in the same manner, we've got the Holy Spirit of God who is, our, who, who is helping us when the temptation comes. I'm telling you, you need, you need to know the Word of God. And he, and he is helping us with the sword of the Spirit how to swing that thing. And sometimes, sometimes when dis- discouragement comes on, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you know what you need to do? You just need to tell Satan, hey, he's already said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You need to take a hike, bucko, right? Or whatever, whatever word you want to throw in there as superlative, you want to, want to apply to Satan, uh, that'd be okay, just so it's not too foul. But, but uh, so we've been looking at this. But now, last week, as you know, we've been looking at also now kind of you know, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. Right. And so we want to be aware of some of the ways that Satan attacks us. We saw last week one of the ways that he uh, attacks us is um, is uh, what what was it last week on? I've already forgotten. Um, we saw last week on um, discouragement. There it is. Wow. That's discouraging that I can't remember. And, and uh, on discouragement, we've been looking at, at discouragement. And we saw that last week. It's one of the, I, I believe, one of the devices of Satan that he comes after us with discouragement. If he can get us discouraged like Elijah was, and we saw some of that, right? We, we believe that we're the only ones left. We believe we're the only ones right. We believe that, you know, he was afraid for his life. He was, he was d- depressed and discouraged. And in, in the, in the, the remedy from God, if you remember, was just to get up and go do what I've already told you to do. Go anoint Hezekiah king over. Why? Because he's going to take Ahab's place. See, it's all going to be made better here in a little bit. You know, he was telling him, just get up and do what you're supposed to do. One of the worst things to do in discouragement is to stay away from the house of God. Because that's where the help's at. That is exactly. And if you think, I, I just don't feel right, I'm discouraged, I don't feel like going today, I, I'm telling you, your antennas should go off, the Holy Spirit, I mean, this is the time you should go. And, uh, and you've known this, you all have lived long enough, you've seen it, you've had it happen. You, you know, the times that when you really don't want to go, you think, I probably ought to go. <laughs> I probably ought to go. And so we were looking at discouragement, but today what I want to look at is... Uh, a part of the the attack of Satan. One of the one of the things I believe he uses against us. All right, you have to stay tuned on this one. Is a complaining spirit. A complaining spirit. If he can get us to, be, to have a complaining spirit, he's going to win. He's going to win a battle, and he's equipped us with all that we have, all that we need. God has. But uh, remember this: although Satan attacks us, and this I think this will help you. Although Satan attacks us, and he does, I really don't believe 
We are His end goal. God is. And if He can get at us, He can't get at God, right? He knows that. He's he's stupid, but He's not that stupid. He knows He can't get at God. He's not possible. But He can sure get at us, right? And uh, if He can get at something that God loves, someone who God loves, that is a that is a great tactic for Satan to get at God. And we want to be aware of that. And uh, we also have to remember, I've got something written down here, we also have to remember that when, if we are complicit to Satan's traps, when we are complicit, when we, we know what's going on and we kind of go along anyway, remember, we, we become the pawns in Satan's attacks against God. And we don't want to be that way. Right? We, we have a relationship with God. We have a love. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We love our Heavenly Father. We love God. <clears throat> but when we unknowingly get involved in Satan's plans and attacks, we're being used by the one who hates us to attack the one who loves us. And, and if, if we, I, I, I know we're all made of the same flesh, and I know it, it comes in its side, it gets us, comes on the side, and we don't realize what's going on. But if we would think and stop and think about that, who really, nobody wants to do that. Who's a child of God? We don't really want to do that. But I'll tell you what, we're, <clears throat> he is crafty. Satan certainly is. And if we're not alert, we're going to be lured into the trap of being used by Satan to go after God. So we're looking at discernment last week, and today we're going to look at complaining. Three areas I want to look at complaining today, and uh, the ways to get three areas of complaining that Satan uses to get at God and to defeat us. Okay? And we're going to see it in God's purpose. We're going to see it in God's provision. We're going to see it in God's power. We're going to see this, all of these things, this, this thing of complaining. You're, you're familiar with the passages, so why don't you turn over to Numbers chapter 11. And we're going to look at this. Numbers chapter 11. As you find your way there, I'm going to read the first three verses. And the Bible says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of that place Taberah, or Tabera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And I want to look at this today. By the time we get here to chapter 11, I mean, Israel has been uh, already been divided by tribe. The tabernacle has been built. They have been well aware of the provision of God. They have seen the cloud by day, a pillar of cloud by day. They've seen a pillar of fire by night. They were collecting manna every morning. They had known all about the provision of God and the miracles of God and the presence of God. I mean, this is nothing new to them. They've become acquainted with this. And we come to our reading in verse 1 of chapter 11. Israel has been headed toward Canaan now for a little bit over two years. Two years they've been walking with the Lord. And the, the Israel's moving toward Canaan, this moving forward, is, is all a part of God's purpose and plan. It's all a part of His purpose and plan. It has been designed by God a long time ago. Remember that covenant was made with Abraham. God was going to multiply His seed and He was going to give to Abraham the land of Canaan. It was His land and His possession. And then He makes another covenant uh, another covenant with Isaac. 
and uh, that Isaac, that Abraham's family, would inherit the land. And yet, then again, God makes another covenant with Jacob, uh, Isaac's son, that the covenant made with Isaac's son Jacob the same way. He said, your seed is going to be as the sand of the sea, as the stars in the heavens. The land of Canaan is going to be a dwelling. And we know that ultimately this land, this land and the purpose of everything was for the Messiah. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, was going to come from the seed of Abraham. That was the promise. And, uh, and so they're ever moving forward to that promise. They need to be in the land. They have to be there. And that should have encouraged Israel, should have given them some confidence that, uh, that God can't lie and that God, God can't, uh, His plans cannot be thwarted. That should have helped them. But hey, they're just as human as we are, amen? We, we uh, have struggles at times. And uh, so all, here they are in the land, Jacob's in the land, and wouldn't you know it, old Joseph has some problems with his brothers. He gets sold off into Egypt. And we know what happened. Everybody in this room understands. They, you know this. They went down into Egypt. They're there for 430 years. God finally sends back Moses to come back and to deliver them out of out of out of Egypt, and they went out. The Bible says with a high hand. I mean, it, we don't have time to go all over that. You all know your Bible. You know what happened there. Uh, they began to cry out for help unto God, and God delivered them, brought them out because of the covenant that He had made with Abraham. So, through all of these miracles, through all of the hand of God upon Israel, they left Egypt. They're in, they're headed for the land of promise, just like God had said. But hold on a minute. Sometimes the will of God for our life doesn't turn out like we think it ought to turn out. Amen? How many have been there? Amen. You, you, you had, I mean, brother, you, you, you were called to preach. Boy, you had some high ideals, thoughts, and didn't you? I did. I, I thought, well, we'll do this, and I'll do that, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. But we did this, and we did that, but we didn't do this, and we're doing this. I mean, it's just nothing... Almost nothing like I expected. Yeah. See, the journey to Canaan became a hard trip. It became difficult. Yeah, they didn't teach you this in Bible Institute. They didn't teach you this in Bible... Well, they did, but usually it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like falling in love. They can tell you all day long what to watch. It doesn't matter. You know? you're, you're, you're smitten, right? You're, you know, nothing's going to change that. Boy, I'm telling you what... You get in the ministry, you know that God has called you, and boy, you have all these ideas, and you're going forward. People say, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be this. Right? And then 10 years down the road, you go, wow, that's tough. <laughs> they didn't tell me this, and they're going, yeah, we did. You just weren't listening, right? And uh, sometimes they didn't tell you <laughs> some things. But listen, the journey became hard. It became hard. Listen, the will of God is not easy, friend. Right? It's not easy. Must I be carried through the skies in flowery beds of ease? while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. It's not easy. I mean, look at our forefathers, what they went through. My goodness, our forefathers, not our forefathers, but our forefathers. Look what they went through. I mean, I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. They're in the desert. There's no water at times. There was no food at times. All of, the, all of the hurdles, think about moving two million people with all of their belongings and livestock. I mean, it's an incredible thing to think about. And it was difficult it was difficult. Wait a minute, but it was the will of God for them. The difficulty, yes. 
the difficulty. Remember God told Adam when he cursed the ground, he said he cursed to watch for thy sake, he says. That's, a, that's an interesting line, isn't it? God cursed the ground for Adam's sake? I think he did. I think he curses it for our sake too. Why? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. How easy it is to walk from God. Get away from God. We get self-sufficient. We get uh, just kind of enamored with ourselves. We walk away and think we're capable. And God reminds us over and again, no, without me, you can do nothing. Right? And uh, we're reminded of that. And here they are. It's a difficult. It, it was the will of God, but it's difficult. It really is. Why? It was for the purpose of God. He had his purpose. It was because of the plan of God. And one of the biggest challenges of following God is following Him when we don't understand. Following Him when we don't understand. Anybody have an example of that in your own life? God said, here's the way, walk you in it. And you started and you went, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. When I called that person to get right, I didn't know they were going to say this. I thought, I thought we were going to hug it out and be best friends forevermore. I guess not. Well, when God, you, you know what I'm talking about? Right? It's not, and listen, it doesn't always turn out like we think it ought to. I remember I've said before, 85% of the things they say, whoever they is, say 85% of the things we worry about never come to pass. Yeah, that'll help you. It really will. Yeah. And... Uh, we imagine what it's going to look like to obey God. Sometimes we've been taught that way and it's just not what it is. Yeah. So this is what brings us to chapter 11. This is how we get here to chapter 11. Yeah. Notice verse 1. They hadn't planned for this. They hadn't planned for it. And look what it says. When the people complained. Complained about what? It didn't say. They're just complaining, probably about everything under the sun. You ever been around a complainer? They don't have to have anything to complain about. They complain about everything, right? You don't, you don't have to help them. They'll, tell, they'll get you complaining if you're not careful. Oh, yeah, they will. Absolutely. It says, when the people complain, that's all we get. They complained. They're two years into this move, and they are complaining about, uh, probably, about everything. But notice what it says here next, that it displeased the Lord. It displeased Lord. God was not pleased with this. It was not pleased with it. He was not pleased with this. That's all we need to know. Well, what was it? It doesn't matter. He wasn't pleased with it. He was displeased with it. Notice this also, though. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it. Can I remind you this morning? God hears your complaining. Loud and clear. And He doesn't like it. When we're complaining about the provisions of God, when we're complaining because of the purposes of God, when we're complaining and we know we're within the plan of God and we're just complain, 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 He hears it, right? He hears it. He is displeased by it. And look what it, look at this. His anger was kindled. This is a righteous indignation. God was upset at what He was hearing. He, he is angry. Why is He so angry? Well, think about it. For 400 years they've been in bondage. God moved heaven and earth to get them out of that bondage and put them into a land that He promised them. He did some mighty, mighty works to get them out of... I mean, it wasn't a problem for Him to do. I mean, it wasn't even a thought. But in the human realm, I mean, we look and see what God did was absolutely astounding. 
And here they are complaining, essentially they're complaining about God's purpose and plan. Well, that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Watch this. They liked the promise. They just didn't like the journey. You been there? You like the promise, but you haven't liked the journey. Yeah. They liked being out of Egypt. They just didn't know if it was any better being under God's rule. That's astonishing, isn't it? But that's what they said, right? Remember? Well, remember they began to think about the leeks and the onions? Remember they wanted to go back to Egypt? They wanted to go back. It's like they wanted to go back to bondage because of leeks and onions. Two things that would not want make me want to go back into bondage. Leeks and onions. Throw in mushrooms and I'm never coming near it. I mean, it is not happening. So here they are, they begin to complain. I mean, really, can you think of a more ungrateful thing to do? It's to complain against the God who rescued you. Hey, you were rescued that day you put your faith and trust in Christ. Rescued. Rescued, yeah, you were on your way to hell. And He rescued us. He sought us out. His eyes were upon us. He was, he was uh, reeling us in. How many came to the day when you got saved and you realized, wow, the Lord had been reeling me in a long time. The Bible says He was a friend of publicans of sinners. And I realized He was a friend of me too. Just a, just a sinner that He was reeling in. He put His eyes upon me. He loved me. He loved you. And He rescued us. What an ungrateful thing to complain at the one who rescues us. It's kind of like the person that's Here's the car. They're, 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 the car has crashed. I remember a crash up here on 65 Highway heading south, and it was a terrible wreck. They ran into a, a light pole coming off an off-ramp, and the traffic was all backed up. The state troopers walking up the street telling people to you know go ahead and just turn around. Turn around. The flames were coming. There was black smoke coming out of it. And as the trooper was walking away, I said, Did they live? Are they all right? He said, No. No. The thing was on fire, just an in, in inferno. Could you imagine that rescuing somebody out of a burned car, a burning car, get them out in the nick of a nick of time? Our daughter used to say "nick of a dime," and I almost said it when she was little. In the nick of a dime, and I, I almost said that. In the nick of time, pull them out of that fire. It blows up, right? Just a spectacular explosion, and they're laying along the side of the road with you in the grass, and they say, "Man, you pulled kind of hard. I think you ripped my pants." Right? Yeah. My shoulder hurts. Yeah. And then the lawsuit comes, right? You think, what an ingrate. But friend, we do that to God. Yeah. He's moving us somewhere better. He's fulfilling promises in our life. He's delivering us from bondage little by little. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Life's not easy. It's not easy. You say, well, you know, I, I see some people, and, and I don't think this is good, you know, sometimes when people say, well, you know, the, world, the world's miserable. They're miserable, miserable. Listen, some of them aren't. They got everything they want. They're living it up, but they haven't got to eternity yet. And, they, and eternity, they have a long time off this planet, right? But listen, it is just as tough. For, I mean, it's a tough life. It absolutely is. And then you throw in spiritual, uh, spiritual battles, Hey, it's, it's not always easy. But listen, they don't have the joy we have. They don't have the peace we have. 
They don't have the contentment that is ours to have. Absolutely. When we think when we think about what is ours for eternity, what is this little blip on a radar that we're living? It just doesn't even show up. Yeah. There's going to be loss. There's going to be a refining process. What, is, what are we see, seeing here in our time? Really, here it is. Don't complain about it. Just knock it off. Just zip it. Quit complaining, right? But I want you to notice this. This will help us quit complaining. Notice God's response to it. Look, look what God did about it in verse 1. His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord, Lord burnt among them. Right? That fire there is sometimes is used just figuratively to describe God's anger and God's wrath falling upon them. Why, right? What is it about fire? I just had a big brush pile. I had my, my tractor piling up brush and burned it yesterday. Probably not the best time to burn. It's kind of dry out there, but it's a... We survived. And uh, so I'm burning this burn pile. And uh, what is it? What is the thing about fire? Well, number one, it's hot. You don't, you don't have to have much road walking sense to know that, right? It's hot. It consumes. The big pile is now a little bitty pile, right? It consumes everything. And when fire has enough fuel and enough oxygen, it's going to consume everything until the fuel and the oxygen is gone, one or the other, until one of them is gone. It's going to consume everything. It doesn't stop consuming. So fire is, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, description of God's anger and God's wrath here as a fire. Not only that, but fire purifies. I don't know about you. How many have burned your fields off in the spring? If you had a lot of land, you'd I love burn. I, like, I just like fire. It's just fun. But we'd burn, burn fields off, and man, they were beautiful. Purifies, gets rid of all those, all of those uh, wild roses and the blackberries and all the autumn olives and all that junk out in the field. Burn all that stuff off, and uh, it comes back. That we around here would burn around first of March would be the best time to burn, and boy, come April, it feel just beautiful, beautiful looking. It purifies. It's used to remove impurities out of metals. It cleans. The ashes leave great nutrients. My grandfather, I was telling you about him, right? He was born in 07. And he said uh, they were cutting wood one day and uh, his axe missed, went through the side of his boot and into his foot. I said, and I'm like, well, Paul, what'd you do, you know? Well, went in the house and packed it full of wood ash and wrapped it up. Stayed off it for a couple weeks. You know, they didn't go to doctors, you know. Wood ash. I mean, that's, listen. Wood ash is the most one of the most pure things on the planet, and uh, it has been it has been purified by fire. There are nutrients, and this is what God is doing in the camp of Israel uh, with the complainers. He He's consuming them. What are they doing? They're dying. They're dying. Remember, Paul said in First Corinthians, those that were taken to the Lord's supper unworthily. He said, some of you are uh, some have fallen asleep. Some have died. They have died. Listen, uh, you've heard this said many times. You're, you're not going to whip all the neighbor's kids, right? But sometimes when your kids are unruly, you're just going to call them home and say, you need to get in the house. You're done playing today. Get in the house. Now, my dad did whip the neighbor kids. He didn't care. He whipped everybody. But <laughs> there was, he was, if you were over in the vicinity of our property and you did something wrong, and uh, he went after you too. So, And we had the most well-behaved neighborhood. It was incredible. <laughs> Parents, parents sent gifts for Christmas. They loved it. But, yeah. God was purifying the camp. He was burning out the dross. He was getting rid of the impurities. He's getting. What were the impurities? Complainers. Complainers. You want to know what God thinks about complaining, right? We burn fields to get rid of junk and ticks and bugs. And I think they 
go deeper and get away from it. But anyway, and, and weeds and things like that. Watch, God uses the burning to get rid of complainers. Careful. He calls his own home sometime. Yeah. He calls his own home. Why do they do this? So they can't affect any more people. It was getting bad. Watch. Do you notice where they were? It says here they were in the uttermost part of the camp. What was in the uttermost part of the camp? Well, a lot of the mixed multitude were out there. The others that came out of Egypt of them, they were around the perimeters. You've got to watch those that sit in the perimeters, right, Brother Healy? You're not in the perimeter, brother. There's more in the perimeter back here. You've got to watch them, all right? We're okay. Watch it. Watch. <laughs> They're getting nervous back in the back. No, yeah, this is a little bit figurative, all right? But you've got to watch it. I mean, there's... there's so in some places, you know, it can be, it can, it can, uh, it can apply. But they were in the they were in the perimeters. Right? Watch this: as the infection begins to go, it started moving inward, moving inward, moving inward. If I'm not mistaken, it's kind of like how a skin cancer starts. It starts on the outside and begins to go inside. If it gets into the lymph system, if it makes it that far in the lymph system, you're you're a goner. This is complaining. This is this is the illustration that God has given us of complaining. It's contagious. It almost always begins on the fringes of the church. Those who are watchers and, and not doers. Those who hover around the back and watch from the uh, from the outside. Those who are present. Watch. They may be present, but their heart is not. Their heart is a long ways away, and they complain. They complain. If it's hey, listen. If it's allowed to continue. Right? It begins to affect the doers. It begins to affect those that have a heart towards God. It begins those who like to be where the action is, and all of a sudden they don't want to be the, where the action is. Right? Miss Julie, all of a sudden in three weeks, she's back there with, with uh, you know, back in front of my wife back there, and then, then before you know it, she's out the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's this is this is how infective complaining is. It really is. What does it reveal? I got a, I got a few minutes here. Let me finish up. What does complaining reveal? Well, number one, it manifests selfishness. Selfishness. Most complaining. I'm not talking about some type of complaining that may have some legitimacy out in the world, right? But we're talking about complaining against God's purpose and His plan and His power. We're complaining against God and His goodness. It manifests selfishness. It's an attack against His purpose. It's an attack against His provision. It's, it's, it's an attack against His power. It's selfishness. But not only that, it's also a manifestation of a lack of trust. It's a lack of trust. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? We can trust God for our eternity, but we so struggle trusting Him for tomorrow. Isn't it weird? I mean, we're just so... No wonder He calls us sheep. We're so dumb. Really, I mean, that's so awful. We're so dumb. Absolutely. Not only this, it's a manifestation of a lack of love. A lack of love. Yeah. One of the greatest acts of love is trust. In any relationship, it's it's trust. It's trust. Listen to the connection, Psalm 36, 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. Isn't that beautiful? Trust. It's connected. 
It is connected to love. Psalm 511, But let those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Where's the joy coming from, the rejoicing coming from? That they would trust God. Well, it's love. They love God. I've told you about this before. There's this video that went around. I saw it online. It was just, it was really cruel. These parents would, uh, somebody I don't know, somebody sent it to me, our daughter or somebody. I forgot where I got it from. But these parents were eating their kids' Halloween candy and then videoing it, telling them, every, telling them that they ate all their candy that night. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, really cruel, but kind of funny. And so it was all these series of they'd get to the breakfast table or whatever it was and say, oh, we've got to tell you something. Dad and I ate all your Halloween candy last night, and there was just this. Wah! It was incredible to watch them just, just go berserk, right? One of them was this little little black girl, and a little kind of chubby little thing. She's probably about seven, eight years old, and you heard the mom video, and she said, she said, uh, we got to tell you something. Me and Dad ate your candy last night. All your all your Halloween candy last night. It was it was so pitiful. She started to cry, and she goes, "It's okay, Mama. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay." And she walked away. I wonder how many times we've just told the Lord, "It's okay. It's okay. I trust you. I don't like it. I don't like it, but I trust you." Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's a great way to respond to the attack of Satan and complaining. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yeah. Ephesians 6, I believe, shows again our response to complaining. We've talked about the sword of the Spirit, right? We wield that thing. We row that thing around when Satan comes around, right? Wield the sword Prayer and supplication, right? The Holy Spirit's our instructor. He instructs us with the Word of God. What am I saying? He gives us, he gives us the verses when we need it. Right? Yeah. What are we doing when, he, when we quote those verses, when, we, when, the, when the temptation comes, when it comes to us, when we're quoting those verses back to Satan, what are we doing? We're swinging the sword. We're, we're whacking them with the sword, right? And... Uh, how do we know that complaining is a sin against God? Well, it's not of God. We know that. But watch, we have the Bible to fight against complaining. We've been given the Word of God. We've been given Scripture to fight against it, which has got to mean if we have Scripture that we can use to combat a complaining spirit, it obviously it means it's not of God, right? We don't have to be real rocket scientists to figure that out. Listen to Hebrews 13.5. Let your conversation, your lifestyle... Your entire lifestyle, let it not let it be without covetousness. Covetousness. Now we quote the rest of this verse, but we, I don't know how often everybody we really connect the two of these, and be content with such things as you have, for He hath said, "I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee." Do you realize trust is connected? A lack of trust is connected to covetousness. Watch, our fear of God leaving, our fear, our fear of, of uh, which again is just self again, but the, but the fear of, of whatever we're going through is actually connected to covetousness. Back to self again, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, it's a good thing to, to do when, 
when you see a complaining spirit start coming on, you get around some complainer on the fringe and you find yourself complaining, it's a good thing when that temptation comes to complain. You say, well, you know what? I'm not supposed to have my, let my lifestyle be a lifestyle of covetousness. Because you know what, Satan? God said he'll never leave me nor forsake thee. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I have nothing to fear. Right? It's not about me. It's about him. We can, we can re- recite to Satan over Jeremiah 29 11. I know the thoughts that I have for thee, that I think toward thee, saith the Lord. Not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good to give you an expected end. We can go to Psalm 53, uh, 56 3. At what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Right? Because a lot of complaining is just collect, connected to a lack of trust. So how do you wield the sword? Well, just start, start, start reciting, start, start firing off. All of, the, all of the Word of God that God has given us that deal exactly with trust and fear and contentment, right? Start firing it off. Why? Because Satan is going to come after you. Yeah, you are a target. Don't think you're not. And if you're not a target, maybe he's not that worried about you. And that's a whole other problem, yeah. So Satan wants you injured. He wants you maimed. He wants you. He wants you. Ultimately, he'd love for us to be dead. Oh, he'd love that. Yeah, absolutely. So when the complaining rises up, what do you do? Turn to the Spirit of God. Let him instruct you on what verses to start swinging. And you know, you'll find out. You live. You live walking in the Spirit. You'll find out they'll come up pretty quick. You don't have to go searching too far, right? Because what I say a couple weeks ago, Satan doesn't have any new devices, right? He's dealing, he's dealing with one model. He knows he's had 6,000 years to study us. He knows us pretty well, right? In the Word of God, we have everything. We have everything to fight against him. Let's not let Satan, let's not be ignorant of his device in the realm of complaining. Let's not be ignorant of that device because it is a device. And let's make sure when the complaining spirit comes up that we're quick to go to the Word of God to just start whacking away at him, right? And uh, you know what? Walk away victorious. Walk away victorious. And uh, you turn around and walk away from that fight. Listen, and you keep complaining. You're going to have arrows sticking out of your back all over the place. And you're going to be injured. And you're going to be licking your wounds on the side while everybody else is trying to fight, right? And uh, let's be victorious. We have the victory. We absolutely do. We win. And not only do we win the war, the war is won, but we can win battles as well. And uh, we are confident of that. So may God help us today. We're going to be finished up here may god help us to win in the attack in the area of complaining let's not have a complaining spirit and uh and as we're going to see here later i don't know if i'll ever get there uh i have in the past but maybe not in this series uh they they also complained it turned into complaining against their authority too and that's a whole nother ball game that we don't want to be another tool of satan is get you to complain against the authority in your life and we'll leave that for another day. Father, would you help us today? Uh, Lord, we want victory. I believe everybody in this room here wants victory. They want victory over, over Satan. They want uh, to live a life. We want to live a life that is pleasing to you, a life that glorifies you, a life that the world looks upon and sees Jesus. We want that, God. We, we, we want to leave this life and, and uh, come before the judgment seat of Christ one day and actually have some, some rewards that we can give back to you. And uh, Lord, help us to be alert and aware in this area of complaining. Lord, that you deliver us from a complaining spirit. 
whether it's in in the church realm or in on the job site or at work work or in uh, wherever you lead us lord that we wouldn't be that we wouldn't be controlled by these complaining spirits you give us victory there we thank you for it in jesus name amen all right